I think it's time we talk about the uh, bill out in North Carolina about uh, transgenders and bathrooms and Bruce Springsteen and Pearl Jam and I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I guess we that? can talk about that, but I'd rather have someone on the show who can talk about that because I feel like America is losing its freaking mind over this. For those of you that are not aware that there was a bill that was just passed by the state of by the, by the state of uh, North Car- uh, Carolina that uh, pretty much bans transgenders from being able to go to uh, use the bathroom of the of the sex that they identify with. It is a very complicated bill that is just not as black and white as a lot of right wing conservatives are trying to make it out to be. However. Gomer's right. Everyone is losing their freaking mind over this. And it's very interesting because there's there's a historian that I absolutely love, and and his name is Gordon S. Wood. And he has this quote about America where he says, we are very much an all or an all or nothing people. And that's what I'm seeing right now is that there is no room for talk. You're either on the right side or you are on the wrong side. And I and it goes both ways. I think it's very, I, I think, like, I feel like we're ready to explode, to be honest with you. I'm actually quite worried about the state of things right now. Don't you think, to a certain extent, Donald Trump is us exploding? No, because I think that is, um, well, I mean. Oh, okay. Donald Trump, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, all this escalation. Um, what do you call it? Occupy now, uh, Occupy Portland, Occupy movement, the whole deal. Yeah. The left going nuts. The right kind of is going nuts around Donald Trump. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can't even call Donald Trump right. But, uh, you know, like all of that stuff, right? Like, I I feel like that this is America fraying at the edges. Like, all of the stuff going on at colleges, I'm I'm sickened. I've been reading reading probably about five or six New York Times articles on how the New York Times is sickened by safe zones with – videos of puppies at uh in order to desensitize ourselves not even from microaggressions but from legitimate debates from opposing sides you know like a libertarian debates uh, a, a feminist over the notion of rape culture and so the very notion of rape culture was the thing that they were debating and if you've been raped uh you will find this too distressing therefore we are going to create an alternate talk at the same time about rape culture that'll be affirming and then we'll go and we'll have a literally a safe zone that's filled with like beanbag chairs coloring books bubbles and a loop of a video of of um puppies playing and right right i mean i just go there for the puppies but this is this is college like i remember when a uh a buddy of mine was the head of his local Federalist Society, so I would design posters for him and stuff. And they would have really interesting debates. They would bring out the, the, the best person they could afford on the left and on the right or on, you know, it wasn't always left-right fighting. It was people on two different sides of an issue. And, you know, because lawyers, you know, you got the left wing, the right wing, the originalist versus, you know, whatever. And, um, but then, you would, you know, you have much more nuanced arguments than you do in just the general public. And the cool thing was, like, all these different debates and stuff like that that they'd be having, um, I started to notice this trend. So I'd follow some of them, and I started to notice this trend of, like, 
people getting protested out of campuses because people hold views that are offensive to other people. And it's not like they're they're violent, vulgar, calling for people's deaths. It's just that literally they hold different views. Well, I think it's coming to that with some stuff. Like there was and, and right before we like dive down this a rabbit hole, I really do want to say that I, I hope people don't think this is too conservative Catholics being look at everyone on the left. I'm trying to take this from a more like as a whole. So this is not this is not us. At least this is not me trying to bash people who I don't uh, who I don't agree with. I just, I just want to get that out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Anywho, so I'm ready to start bashing some people. Um, <laughs> let's grease ourselves up real good. Well, like there was this Black Lives Matters group, and this guy was basically trying to say that the only thing you can do as a white person to uh, to make well, Black Lives Matter is to commit suicide. Now that is ridiculous. <laughs> really, I, I I took it yeah. to heart. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Well, he's got a point. Um, now, I, I hate to say it, but I agree with that guy. <laughs> your your logic is flawless. Uh, now, I would I would say that the vast majority of people that are involved in the black in the Black Lives movement would go, okay, that's a little bit much, you know. So I I don't think that I am not trying to paint them all with like you know in broad in broad strokes. However, I do think the the fact that that is being brought up and I'm hearing about it in the news talks, it really just kind of show where we are right now, that it is, I think it is bad. And I, and I, I, I do not know if it's really popped yet. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't think it has. I, I, we're not at peak, at peak psychopath yet. I don't think so either. And I think we're getting there. I, I really do. Yeah. This is my big thing with, you know, this whole thing out in North Carolina, North Carolina is these freaking assholes on Facebook. Like, and there are people that I know who, who are doing this. And I truly think you're being an asshole that they had that thing where it said, you know, had this like five, nine white guy being like, am I a six, two Asian woman trying to prove that like how great they are, like, like how absurd the idea of a basically trying to say this is how absurd transgenderism is which flies right in the face of how the catechism explains how we should approach the subject it is not respectful at all at all and i'm just i just want to go you're making this worse you're like you are like you you think you are like you think you are right which i might even agree with you how however the fact that you think that because you are that you are like that you are um, that you are correct means you can just crap on everyone else and show how dumb they are like oh i'm getting really mad right now it just it drives me nuts transgenderism enters into a whole new category of of you know whatever i don't even know what to call it lifestyle it used to be called but uh it enters a whole new category outside of gay and lesbian because with gay and lesbian and bisexuality and all that stuff you understand that it is this is a sexual orientation right but transgenderism isn't a sexual orientation per se it's a way of viewing your sexuality as a person it's a way of viewing your gender your your sex and the thing that is uh that the the point of videos like that are trying to make is 
Uh, I mean, did you watch the video at all? Did you watch it all the way through? I watched a bit, and then I, I just I can't I just can't handle. Well, the whole it point of the video is he goes and talks to like ten or twelve. This is from like a Washington D.C. coalition for the family or something, and they go and talk to all these people who are like, okay, so why does you know basically talking about transgenderism? If I were to come up to you and say I'm uh, I I want you to consider me to be a woman, am I a woman? And then they're all like, uh, if that's your truth, then yes, that's your truth. And I want to, you know, what would you say to me if I were to say I'm a woman? And they would say, well, you know, um, I would say good for you. Or another guy's like, how did you arrive at that decision? And then he goes, okay, well, what if I told you I'm Chinese? So the whole point of it is he's like, okay, well, I'll talk about gender, which you're all like, yeah, let me then talk about, um, you know, ethnicity. And there, and then all the people are just sitting there like, um okay well that's <laughs> like that's like your truth and i would say good for you and then he's like but what if i also said that i was six foot five you know so it's like when does when do we let the way we are actually matter to the way we interrelate with each other that's the point but really it's a guy in the street with a microphone trying to one-up people you know like, exactly like when did it become more important to be understood than to try to understand I know this answer since the fall. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, you're, like those people. To me, you're being a bully to make yourself feel good. You want to put. You want to be famous on Facebook. You want to create a meme. Like you, I'm. I'm sorry for cursing. I'm just like so mad about this stuff. Like, I feel like you're mad, but my problem is I don't. I. I. I legitimately, and it's not like I don't read about this stuff. It's not like I haven't watched Orange Is the New Black. It's not like I don't have sympathy for these people. I do not understand the entire Western world that said, oh, oh, yeah, and, and transgenderism, that's, there's an, if you have a problem calling a man who is now identifying as a woman a woman and treating him 100% the same as a woman, you're the one with the problem, pal. I, I am so lost in this. Like, I, I read, like, all these people who are like, just deal with it. Like, this is who they are. This is their truth. Like, I hear you. I read their stories. Uh, how many of people who are advocating this stuff have actually read, you know, biographies, uh, autobiographies of these people and their struggle and all of this stuff? And I read this, for instance, this one woman or this man who is, you know, a transgendered woman now, and he, she's put in male prisons, and she's getting raped, like, all the time, you know? And then you're like, okay, okay, this is a horrible situation. Yeah, I'd put this person definitely in a woman's prison. Because, I mean, this is this is a guy who takes hormone treatments, who mm -hmm. in his mind looks at his male genitals and says, these aren't mine, you know? And I can't help but say, you have a massive psychological problem. Like, the moment, this is the, this is the modern turn, is in the ancient world, in the medieval world, it was the world, or really existing things, is the measure of my mind. Like, literally... St. Thomas Aquinas defined truth as the adequation of an object with my mind, meaning how close my mind can can rebuild the form of the thing that I'm looking at. That is how much I know of it, right? So I'm looking at a rock, picture a rock in my head. Oh, yeah, that's a rock. Well, what is a rock? Well, it's hard, and it's made out of this type of stuff. Well, what about these rocks? Okay, okay. So you get a better and better image or form of what a rock is. That's truth. But if I say, oh, that's a rock, well, no, this is an orange. No, it's a rock, dude then I'm wrong. But now today, with the subjectivism and blah, 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 it's the exact opposite, where it's my mind is the measure of reality. And instead of receiving truth from the world, I impose it, called mental constructs and all this stuff. I impose truth. I impose order on the world. 
and from that, like you, it's a hop, a skip, and a jump through all the sexuality kind of stuff um, and confusion with sexuality. That it's like, no, in my mind, I'm a man. Yeah, but your your genitals say you're a woman. Yes, but in my mind, I'm a man. Therefore, everyone else in the world has to conform to my mind's view of myself. And the the whole notion of that is to me, it's saying, okay, well, we have we. I mean, this is legitimate, right? You have the three things: the matrix of transgender of, of gender. Transgender or genderism is broken down into, you know, my sex, right? The binary notion of my sex, uh, my mental image of my sex or my engendered self, conscious self. And then lastly, the overlap of those or whatever of uh, my cultural's view of gender and gender roles, right? And that the gender roles stuff, that's where everything gets fuzzy. Because there was a time when we all wore essentially robes and we all, men and women, wore very similar stuff, women mostly covered their hair, but so did men, actually, you know, like, so there's this element of men wear this, well, so do women, and then men wear pants, and then, well, now women wear pants, and, you know, like, if a woman is wearing a pair of pants, does that mean she's transgender because she's violating a cultural norm? Well, it did for a little bit, like, that was scandalous, but I don't think, uh, what's her name, what's her name, the French girl, why can't I think, Joan of Arc, I don't think she was a transgender. She was just trying to wear her armor better by putting on men's pants, you know? And so there's this whole, this whole notion of, all right, my conscious self, my physical self, and my cultural self, my cultural identity. How do these mix and mingle? Well, what if my mental self and my physical self don't align? Or what if culturally I like to wear women's clothes, you know, and, and skirt that kind of line, or I'm a metrosexual. I really care about my appearance as a man, which culturally men aren't really supposed to do. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so to me, the, the fascinating argument is where the turn was, no, there's something wrong with your conscious self, reconciling it with your physical reality. But now it's, no, 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 let's, let's literally use surgery and hormone therapy to alter your physical self to meet up with your mental conscious image of yourself. And that, to me, that is what's debatable. Is that the right turn? Is that, should we cut up the flesh in order to mirror the mind, or should we... Or should we heal the mind in order to unite it to the flesh again? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. But I think that by taking the standpoint of I'm going to prove how dumb you are is just degrading. You know, and it, and it just, it just yeah. and it, it makes every, like, I'm ashamed to call those people, like, Catholic. Not ashamed, sorry, that's really harsh. Okay, edit. <laughs> um, like. I'm not editing it. That's brutally honest. <laughs> like, I know, but I, I don't want, I don't want you around my family. I, I don't, I don't, I absolutely don't. I have no desire to introduce you to any of my friends. If that's how you're going to view the world. And if, and if we're just going to sit here and just blast everyone who doesn't agree with us, I, I, I've, I've just, I don't know. I've really kind of, um, I'm just so done with people who think that they own truth. Actually, the uh, queen of our podcast, who, um, whose name kind of like kind of rhymes with Bon Adrizaldi, he told me, let's listen to Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. He goes through in like four hours or so and, and, ex- and, and explains with a lot of depth some, some historical incident. He did one called The Prophets of Doom, which is about the, the Anabaptist and what happened out in Germany during the reformation it's it's absolutely fascinating what struck me is how crappy the catholics were to people the fact that we tortured people to death 
because they didn't agree with us. Yeah. Now, some of these people did horrible things. And I could honestly see how, especially during that time period, you could justify the death penalty. That does not mean that we, like, tear them apart, like, limb by limb, muscle tissue by, like, muscle tissue until they're dead, which is what pretty much happened. Yeah. Like, that's, that's horrific. That's, that's, that is, and that's the church at our quote unquote height, the peak of Christendom, if you will, or like right after the peak, torturing people flesh by flesh, bit by bit until they died. I have no interest in going back to anything like that. And I feel like we do that stuff. Because we think we're because like I'm like why did they think that was oh that that was oh that that was okay? They thought they had God on their side because they were Catholic, and they really hadn't they had like our it's it's faith and reason, which to me means like you have to understand like you your actions affect people. You gotta you gotta be aware of that. I could be totally wrong about what about what i am saying and i am okay with that i'm sorry well damn it i'm i'm like all of the place um i i guess what i am uh trying to say is do not don't like don't like mix the truth that we understand and have and, and have come to know in christ jesus as just as justification for our actions, our or our anger, or just cultural like norms, because that's like th- there was a point in time when the uh, when the Catholic Church was still kind of on the fence about is it okay to own a to own a slave? We would all now say ab- like absolutely not. But if you look at a lot of the early church fathers, they were like, we're pretty sure it's wrong. We're not a hundred percent though. Not all of them, just a few who said that. And that's because it took time, intellectual thought had to really, really um, develop to hit a point where we're able to go, nope, you know what, this is absolutely wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I, I, I just get, I, I don't know, I like, I've almost like had it. <laughs> and it's probably really obvious that I just... We are not going to convert the world by telling them how wrong they are. Perhaps if we explain some some things and take the time to actually get to know people and have real con- real conversations, that might go somewhere. Like I did this podcast because I know that y- you and me we we uh, we agree on probably ninety nine point like nine percent of Catholic stuff. But why I did it was because I was so tired of everyone talking at each other that I just wanted to have a conversation with you about this stuff and to really try to understand and get into all of the nuances of of like of this. And I'm just and I'm starting to see that if we don't, if we like, we're just we are shooting ourselves in the foot. I think. Sorry, I just went on and on about that. Sorry. Well, how are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Why would anyone ever want to hang out with us when all we do is tell them how dumb they are? Uh, I tell people how dumb they are all the time, and they want to party with me. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but like, you know what I mean? Like, in the, in the sense that if we really. Uh, We're believe... still friends. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. And how? If. Because Christian... you're so dumb and you don't get my jokes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If Christian joy is so important, like, why are we inviting people into that? As opposed to just. And now this is also because of the culture and all of these things. So part of it is I think we need to ask ourselves, should we even be trying uh, to use a thing like YouTube or on Facebook in this way? I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting uh, to see that I really don't agree with how a lot of the people that, that I know are trying to quote unquote, like evangelize or, um, you know, do a fraternal correction. I just, I, I just don't agree. I just don't. Like I'm, re- I'm really having a hard time with it. So would you say that, um, that there's no sense in simply decrying present day evils, as if like just yelling about it could change things? I mean, that's what I'm struggling with. Nor, yeah. nor is it helpful to try to impose rules by just sheer authority. I feel like what we need now is a more like. Uh, a more responsible and generous effort, you know what I mean? To, like, present the reasons and motivations Mm -hmm. for choosing marriage and the family. And I think in this way, to help men and women better respond to the grace that God offers them. Yeah, I mean... I literally just quoted the (laughs) apostolic (laughs) exhortation of Pope Pope Francis. Well, that's a whole other thing. Um, You know who I do like is... And this is kind of hard for, because half of our listeners don't even know who he is, but... J.D. Flynn is so articulate and kind, and he is loving, and he can express a point of a a uh, you know point of view that carries a lot of weight and is pretty heavy without putting the person down, yeah, or and not not coming across as arrogant, but as extremely as like both like rational and like. And loving because, you know, he said a thing on one of our earlier episodes where he said, you know, when I was bringing up, like, isn't this all kind of dumb about how we're doing all this stuff? And he goes, yeah, but we have to be concerned. We have to be concerned about, uh, about like, justice as as well. And that really hit me hard. Like, that's a good point. Like, that is that is a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. The whole time I'm listening to this, I'm like, where are we going to go with this? Well, like, here's here's the thing. I don't know. I because I. I I don't have an answer for that. I, I, I like part of me doesn't even like want an answer. Yeah, part of me just just, just wants to get this off of my chest. And, and like again, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast as as a um as a whole because I think we're at a point where we can't afford to have too much more blogging about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. We have nowhere come to the peak blogging <laughs> yeah. peak opinioning that's still gonna rage <laughs> it's gonna be on and on yeah uh, you know but and, 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 okay so i thought that what you talked about earlier was great and i wish we could talk about that about those about those ideas without getting heated and the thing is and i think this applies to people that are you know on the opposite part of this no one wants to hear that out no one is willing to go I hear you, I understand, but I just don't, I just don't agree, and that's that. It has to be, you're either a bigot, or you're for 
all of this stuff. You can't be like a feminist now and be pro-life. If you are a feminist, you've got to be totally okay with abortion. You get, you know, like, and it's like, like, why can't I be for equal pay? Why can't I try to really be a strong advocate for all these things and be pro-life? Why do I have to be pro-life and be a Republican? What, where was that? And like, when did that become like a thing in the handbook that we all had to do? I just. Well, it all became a thing in the handbook when uh, the Republican Party realized that the Democrats were never going to go near the religious. What before was before it was even called the religious right was evangelical and fundamentalist Christians who abdicated from the public square. Right. It was Catholics and um, mainline Protestants who who thought it was their responsibility to be in the public square and to shape and to advocate for gospel centered, you know, things. Um, but the millions and millions of evangelicals and fundamentalists didn't in the sixties and seventies, they were an inactive part of Americana. I mean, maybe they voted, but they didn't vote as a body. Um, but very few of them actually did vote. And then the Republican party actively, um, after, uh, Barry Goldwater's, you know, bomb, uh, on the, in the, for Americans, um, his presidential campaign and all that stuff. The uh, the the Republican Party as a whole actively began recruiting and campaigning for fundamentalists and evangelical Christians, and that began the movement in the '90s called the religious right. But their genesis—I mean, I guess in the '80s they had the religious right—but their genesis was really around the Reagan presidency and his response to, you know, I mean, the the, the leftist uh, lukewarm Christianity of, in their words, of. Um, uh, Carter, because Carter was a pastor, you know, um, mm-hmm. that they actively recruited people to become a part of the Republican Party because they were pro-life. And so that became a Republican Party platform, and then millions of people joined it. I mean, Ronald Reagan was staunchly anti-abortion, and his own wife, who was pro-choice, would tell him, you know, come on, those people already vote for you. Why do you have to keep talking about it? And he would say, because the baby's lives still matter, or, you know, whatever the, the answer was. Um, I remember her, you know, this line from this book I was reading where this person said, you know, those people. And he's like, they're, they're my people, you know. And Reagan had no problem actively courting the pro-life vote, which became part of the religious right. Like, if you're pro-life, you vote Republican. I mean, I, I, I remember a conversion story of a guy saying, you know, as soon as I met Christ, you know, I joined the George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush campaign. Like, I felt like passing out bumper stickers was the exact same thing as being a Christian. And I have friends who, um, older friends who are staunchly this way. And they they hate the Pope because they can't see why he's appealing to the left. The left are already lost, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's their, that's their notion is, no, they're on the wrong side of, not just of history, which is what the left says about right-wingers, but they're on the wrong side of everything, economics, common sense, blah, blah, blah. And for the Pope to speak to them in a way that's agreeable and amendable, that is the most repulsive thing. How can you talk to these pro-gay marriage people? It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't talk to them about marriage. I talk to them about the environment. Well, why is the Pope commenting on the environment? Well, actually, there's a very long tradition of Roman Catholic theology, Eastern theology, specifically on <laughs> stewardship of nature. That's not a brand new thing. Mm-hmm. And yet we're all pretending like it's brand new because it's coming out of a, you know, um, a South American. Um, Why did you shake a Bernie Sanders hand? Because he's a human being. Yeah. That's being polite. He even said on the airplane, uh, it was 
Shaking the hand of a politician is called being polite. It's not called. It's called politeness, not political meddling. <laughs> and then yeah. he just started laughing, and he was like, "Come on, people!" But um, oh, my kid's crying. But this is this this is a huge point. So much of Christianity is shaped by evangelicalism that evangelicalism itself joined the Republican Party hardcore. And I think it was propaganda said it best, where he's saying he has this line where he's talking to a, a Muslim believer. And he says, you know, essentially he's saying, like, we oppose you because you think God joined a political party. Well, I kind of do, too. You know, it's just mm-hmm. they're different political. You know, and this is the thing. I keep saying this all the time. Uh, the American version, the, the polarity of American right versus left is not the ground that defines the Catholic Church. There are plenty of things C.S. Lewis talks about. There are plenty of things that would be considered leftist that the Catholic Church can actively engage in, find a home in, um, agree with, 100% agree with. And then there are things that are on the right that the Catholic Church can agree with and find a home in and build on and all that stuff. But as long as we exist within a strict left-right dualism, and our politics are shaped that way. So it's like, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I could ever vote for Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton ever, ever, ever. But then when I look at people like Mitt Romney or um, uh, Donald Trump or even Ted Cruz, like Ted Cruz is from Texas, I don't, I don't like him at all. Um, and it's not even, I mean, I, I don't feel comfortable with any of these people, mm-hmm. you know. And George well, Herbert Walker Bush, he's the one that assassinated Kennedy in the 1960s. So, <laughs> Don't you feel, though, like it's weirdly in our American DNA to just pick a side? Yeah, and to always characterize our side as the underdog and the other side as the evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we do. We speak in absolute terms. Like, you know, like I remember I, uh, I posted a video that of, of Barack Obama talking about, um, which I, I don't think I've ever done on my wall before, post a video of something Barack Obama was saying. Um, but it was a video of him uh, talking about how college campuses are getting out of control with all this sensitivity stuff. And he's like, colleges is a place where you should be wrestling with opposing truths and opposing viewpoints. And I found that fascinating. So I retweet, you know, and, sh- and this person just wrote, every word he says is a lie. <laughs> you know, and it's just like my other friend who said, uh, he's the devil. And I'm like, he's, yeah. not, he's not the devil. And you sound stupid. Like, you literally sound stupid when you say he's the devil or he's I... the Antichrist. Like, no, he's not. No, I stop heard a guy. <laughs> At one point in time, tell me that he thought that Obama was worse than Hitler. And I just stopped. I just thought, dude, I've been to Auschwitz. Please don't say that. <laughs> like, that's, I saw, I saw what Hitler did. You know, I saw the room with, with the hair and the empty bags and the glasses. That's, you know, it's, I mean, I think that's why a lot of people have issues with the Pope's new encyclical. Is it, no, sororry. Apostolic exhortation. Yeah, sorry. Post synodal yeah. apostolic exhortation. Green jacket, yellow jacket, who gives a shit? Sorry, but, um, no, it actually does matter a lot. Uh, I feel like one of the, I mean, no, I, okay, full, full dis, full disclosure. When I was on the toilet, I got about 10 pages in and I haven't gone back yet. But I have read what other people have talked about. We didn't need that disclosure. (laughs) Hey, listen, it's the truth. Uh, I, from what I understand, and again, I do have to have to read the other 200 pages. (laughs) What, what I really like about what he's going for, all the parts that I read, he said some really profound, awesome 
awesome stuff, especially about the Holy Spirit and uh, the family. But it's that we need to be okay or try to encourage people uh, to wrestle with 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 stuff, kind of like how what Obama was talking about with college campuses, in the sense that you know I think it's it's just like human nature, especially as Americans, to want answers. We just want uh, to know what happened at the end of the uh, Sopranos. Someone tell us, please, what happened. We can't, we can't make up our own mind about it. We don't like ambiguity all um, all that much. And I think one of the things, and, and I'm not trying to say that the, that the Pope is being, um, that he's being hazy, but I, but I think he is trying to say the world is not black and white. And you have to use your conscious at times, and you have to be willing to just get messy and really try to understand and meet people where they are. It's not math. The world isn't math. It's not X does not always, um, sorry, Y does not always equal MX plus B when you have a bunch of human beings hanging out with each other. Is that the right equation? MX plus B? Y equals MX plus B. Y equals MX plus, I don't remember. It's a thing for graphs. I haven't studied this in 20 years. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, you were homeschooled. Um, oh, that's so true. I haven't done math since ninth grade. <laughs> since ninth grade. <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, but, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that I'm off base with that? What, that we don't like ambiguity? Well, no, about, well, okay, about that and with what I was talking about, the uh, about Pope Francis's new exhortation. Um, I think uh, I think people want the similar type of pronouncements that came from Pope John Paul. Um, I think that they want these clear moral guidelines that come from uh, stuff like Evangelii Gaudium um, or Evangelium Vitae uh, and Veritati Splendor, where these were documents written by the Pope that were like, this is the grounding of moral theology. Knock it off, you pro- proportionalists and you uh, consequentialists. You have no place in Catholic... Knock it off, 1970s. Yeah, knock it off, 1970s. Go home, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Moral theologians from the 1970s who are desperately trying to look cool to the hippies. Go home. <laughs> You're drunk. And take your glory and praise with you. <laughs> glory and praise <laughs> to our God. Anywho, so Here this... I am. Hey, you don't knock that song. I love that song. <laughs> you, everyone loves that song. I know. Matt Marr did a new version of it, and I love it. It gives me the tingle. Um, <laughs> but no, there's no... But I, I just feel like people, like, they just want that. They want to know that the other side's condemned. And I feel like if I were Papa Francesco, I would literally be saying, that was already written. Why do you want me to rewrite that? Exactly. That was already written. I agree with it. Now let me talk to you like a pastor. Let me talk to you like a human being who doesn't have to lay out the 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 absolute truth and the outline of the moral law because my predecessor did that flawlessly. Flawlessly. I can't improve on JP2's Veritati Splendor. But what I can do is say this. We need to be on the ground loving human beings. That sounds like I'm blowing away these issues. When I say they need to use their consciences, we need to form them, not use their consciences for, form them, not use it for them, um, and not take away their need to have a, their own personal conscience. But this notion that there, that there can be only one way and that this, like, I agree that there, like, sexual union is reserved for marriage alone between a man and a woman. That is the very point and purpose of marriage. 
to unite the couples and as uh, as the precursor to bearing children. That's the point of marriage, okay? And all of the, he's just acknowledging that they're faithless people who might have been baptized in the Catholic Church, who got married multiple times outside the church, even if they got married inside the church, still have no faith. They have no intention of honoring the war or the church's view. They only know they only know the culture's view. And Pope Francis is like, okay, well, what if what if we broke in some grace and we went after these people? Number one, Evangelium Gaudium. We we can only understand the joy of love within the joy of the gospel. What if we actually evangelize these people and then they turn to us and they said, I want in. And we say to them, sorry, you have all these marriages, you have all these problems. You can't do anything. But we still want you to come to Mass because you have to fulfill your Sunday obligation. You know, like, that is that is honestly the only approach for so many people that they deem is worthy. And, you know, in Familiaris Consortia, when the Pope, uh, JP2, brings this up, he says, live as brother and sister. Live as brother and sister. And you can come back to the sacraments tomorrow. Now, I, I want to point out something. That is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. But But that is also something I tell people at least once or twice a month. And right now we have five or six couples right now at my church who are living conjugal chastity. Even though they've been married for 20 plus years, they are living as if they are brother and sister with their spouses, preserving themselves so that they could enter into the Roman Catholic Church. That is heroic in a lot of levels. But for some people, it's not heroic. They're finally doing the right thing. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> like, you don't understand. They didn't agree with any of this stuff beforehand. They didn't even understand what they were disagreeing with. And now we're coming at them with grace, and their hearts are being radically changed. And they're coming, and it's like, you know, I, I could tell them. I, this is what I tell them. I say, okay, here's the deal. You can enter the church, or you can live as brother and live as brother and sister so that you can enter the church, or you can refrain from entering the church right now until, unless or until your annulments come through. And they look at me, and they're like, wait, what? And so I explain to them. You have multiple marriages in your past. You have the expectation to only have once and for all marriages. There are some issues with all of this, but that's the expectation. That's what comes from Christ. There is no such thing as divorce and remarriage. And so when I say that to them, they, they, there's, the blood disappears from their face. They start bawling in front of me. Like this is – when people talk, when people who write blogs talk about the marriage issue and the synod, and they don't do what I do day after day, when they don't get people cussing them out on the phone because all they want to do is become Catholic and I'm not letting them, and they slam their phone down. Like, I literally have to carry this stuff with me. But I know that I'm called to speak the truth. And I, I will, I, 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 it doesn't bring me any joy. In fact, I have a ball of anxiety every time I think about it and talk about it. But they sit across from me, and these people who I've preached the gospel to, every so often, they get it. And they're willing to make this a sacrifice so that so that they can have Christ in their lives. But I didn't impose my conscience onto them, right? I used the gospel, the moral law, virtue, whatever, and I appealed to their consciences. And I began to form them, for, with them, began to form them. And that is a pastoral activity. Some people, it takes months and months and months and months of you loving them for them to be able to do it. But dumbasses who sit behind blogs, who literally all they do is exist to get people riled up with fear, uncertainty, and doubt, 
And all they do is they, they, they build this rage monkey thing going on. And they're like, oh, look, um, you know, everyone claims that Christoph Schonborn is uh, really a conservative because he, he, you know, he was the general editor of the catechism. But he's not. Look what he said about gay unions. And I thought, oh, crap, what did, what did Schonborn say about gay unions? And he said, like, something along the lines, like, I don't doubt that they, that they, don't, that they love each other. Or, you know, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's these comments that I've made a lot of times. Like, but there are some people who believe, like, no, because homosexual relations, a gay act is intrinsically disordered. Therefore, their union is intrinsically disordered. Therefore, everything in their lives and in their relationship is evil and wrong. I'm like, what? You, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, like the part, that's the part that breaks down for me in relating to these people. Like, I hit that, and I'm like, okay, we've hit a wall. Like, I actually think two gay men can love each other in a self-giving way, um, but I do agree that their marriage is not a marriage. Like, that, I, I agree with the Catholic Church of what marriage is. I agree with philosophers as, as to what marriage is. I agree to gay advocates who are marginalized by the larger gay community that who, who are anti-gay uh, gay marriage, even though they themselves are gay, even though they themselves have partners, and even though they themselves are activists, they also reject this because they think marriage is between a man and a woman for the sake of the s- culture to you know have to have kids and and for the good of society. That's what they believe marriage is, and you don't hear their voices, but you you have all of this. Stuff. So I believe all this, stuff, but I don't believe that thus every aspect is intrinsically evil because once you do that, then you can completely dismiss them and Christ never lets us do that. Christ never lets us completely dismiss another human being, even when they are crucifying him. Mm-hmm. And even when they're crucifying us, and even when, you know, the group of, uh, a group of like radical feminists did a simulated abortion right in front of the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral in France. And, you know, like they do all these things, a bunch of women, when an Austrian cardinal was giving a press conference, a bunch of uh, the same group of women r- ransacked the place uh, topless and had all these, like, anti-patriarchy sayings written on their boobs and stuff and shoving it in front of the cameras and shoving it in front of the cardinal or archbishop, whoever it was, mm-hmm. you know, and all of this all of this stuff, right? Like, even those people are loved by their Heavenly Father, and he desires their salvation, their eternal salvation. Like, as much as I love the boss, I love Bruce Springsteen. I'm just like... Dude, don't, don't, like, don't, like, don't, like, like, we're not able to have a a conversation once that happens. Or, you know, or just uh, perhaps he's like, his mind is made up. He thinks that it is bigotry and that's that and there is no a discussion about it. Which is hilarious that the boss cancels a show in North Carolina over the Freedom Fighters fighting the, you know, banning of LGBTQ people from bathrooms um, while... While at the same time, he just got back from Qatar, United Arab Emirates. Brian Adams had played out in out in Egypt where, like, gay people can be decapitated or something. You know, it's like where it's yeah. way worse than how it is here. It's, yeah, but, I mean, I can still understand that, like, they, it's, yeah, it's, that's what scares me about right now is I fear that we're hitting a point of no return for a lot of, a lot of people's differences. That there's just no real way that we can coexist. I could be wrong. I really, really hope that I'm wrong. This is my solution to that. Like I feel in so many ways, like when the when the Supreme Court passed the decision to allow for gay marriage, uh, I remember waking up and reading it on my iPhone at like I don't know six o'clock in the morning, and because we don't have cable and stuff, we don't have TV on. Like we, I didn't even know about the Houston floods 
until we got email saying school is canceled. I'm like, I guess it is raining pretty hard. And then I go online. I'm like, oh, my God, people are dying. You know, like so, I, I honestly yeah. didn't. No, I <laughs> I did that just so you'd feel bad. Um, but, like, I honestly didn't know. And then we started looking at pictures from our town, the woodlands, covered in water and all of this stuff. And you're like, whoa. I thought that was, like, down in Houston at the bayous. And um, So it's it's, you know, like, we're so separated. But when I woke up and saw that, um, I remember being shocked to my core and just thinking, this is a new, like that, the allowance of gay marriage is a progression from the allowance of no-fault divorce and contraception within marriage and then abortion and now gay, you know, um, polyamorous unions, living together, mm-hmm. like all of those things are of a, are of a piece. Um, but once you go for the full equivocation of gay, because no one equivocates living together with being married. I mean, they everyone understands that being married has a different status than just living together, even though people might poo-poo it and all that stuff. But a gay marriage is, is a fundamentally new kind of way of looking at marriage. And so for me, that was like this watershed moment of, oh, my God, what do I do? How do I live in this world now? Like, I, I, I mean, like, I, I was for civil unions. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want Muslims imposing Sharia law. Why would atheists when christians imposing their definitions of morality on on the rest of the country i i agree with like c.s lewis says the exact same thing about divorce he's like should we allow divorce well i wouldn't want a mohammedan a mohammedan to impose their law you know so who am i in a christian nation that's not very christian anymore to impose it on other people but the the notion for the catholic comes down to this is natural law this is philosophy this is the human person like this is the very bedrock of human order is, or of social order, is the family. Well, and you also, and again, just just um, to go back to the idea of of justice, like what's owed to a kid, kids. The ultimate good is 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 it just anyone can raise them, or is it a mom and a dad? Yeah, yeah, because then I mean, right then you get into the whole deal of. Well, grandma and grandpa, are you saying that they're not, you know, or mm-hmm. adopted people? And we all know, we all know that adopted people are just as much fathers no, and mothers absolutely. and all that stuff. Uh, that's such a complicated issue. So this is what I hate. Can I tell you what I hate? What I hate is our response is being, and there's this author, he's a, was Roman Catholic, became Greek Orthodox. His response is, is now the time to enact the Benedict option? The Benedict yeah. option being we all become St. Benedict's and we go found our little monastic communities. We where we, Yeah, where we, where we essentially we decide, no, we preserve the community of believers. But here's the deal about Christianity. Christianity is, as Pope Benedict said so well in his book, um, the communion, oh, what is it called? Uh, I can't remember. Um, but the original German of it was, if uh, they changed the title of it, on Christian, on Christian Brotherhood, that was the English version. The German translated literally was the open circle. And his whole notion of Christianity was we have Philadelphia, philios, uh, brotherly love for one another. Michael! <laughs> for, <laughs> for one another within the circle. Rocky Balboa! <laughs> Philly cheesesteaks! Oh, Jesus God! <laughs> um, Will Smith! <laughs> <laughs> but we have Sorry. we have phil- we have the philos love the brotherly love for one another within the circle and that's the only time i mean that's the love that characterizes christianity is you are now my brother my sister and he says but outside of the christian circle we have agape self-sacrificial love 
And he says, and we have that towards the world. And so when you think about this notion of the Benedict option, St. Benedict wasn't, I mean, you could, you have, we do have this notion of fleeing the world, like this, the, the fugo mundi in Latin, this notion of the monastic tradition of fleeing the world. But when Benedict fled the world, he started a new one. See, that's what authentic Christianity does. He was escaping the decadence of a collapsed Roman Empire. So what did he do? He founded the monastic communities that became the cities of modern Europe, right? Everywhere there was a monastery, that became the name of the town, which became a village, which became a city, which, you know, like, it wasn't a, a breaking off of the world. And if you look at the gospel, ultimately, that might be individuals' vocation, that, you know, to go to the cloister. But even when they're in the cloister, their whole prayer life is for the church, and for conversion. St. Teresa Lazoo, she's a doctor of missions. She went from her home at the age of 15 into a cloistered convent and died there at the age of 24. And she's a patroness of missions. Why? Because that was her ardent prayer was for the missions. Christians can't wall ourselves in. And it really honestly, because it it devalues love and um, and love is in its essence creative. And just by um, hiding off, we're not creating anything. We're just actually like dying. We're just inbreeding. And that shit's gross. And that shit's gross. <laughs> Thank you, Luke, for that intelligent commentary. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Michael Gormley on Catching Foxes. <laughs> and some guy. No, no, I'm just going to edit you out. No. Hey, what do you think of the new uh, Rogue One trailer? Oh, uh, can we just have Star Wars played in a minor key from here to eternity? Because that was brilliant. Isn't that what we're going to do? Isn't that what Disney's plan is? I find by me. I'm so pumped about this movie. I'm so excited. I I listened to an hour and a half podcast dissecting that trailer from the incomparable. Oh, yeah. I finished that one and the one on Batman, the animated series. I I saw half. Oh, so listen to that one. Um, um, I, lo- I, I, I felt like that one part where she said, we're rebel, we're the rebellion, right? I rebel. I felt like that was like overacting, but everyone else on that podcast was like, oh, that was the best, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> clearly I'm wrong. No, I mean, I didn't, th- it, I can, I could understand that. I did not think that at the end, I thought it was pretty obvious that she was like hiding in the imperial outfit where yeah. she was under a disguise um uh, undercover yeah if if oh you will but that they were more when they had the whole thing like uh you must decide who will you become just like what kind of a person she wants to be so i'm pumped about it. i th- i think that um i mean you don't ever judge don't ever judge a movie by its trailer that's just stupid but I'm going to be there day one. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you bought your tickets for Captain America? No. I did. <laughs> With a place that has recliners. So I went to a musical today. I went and saw Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's nice. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Are, are you listening to anything fun? Uh, no, I, uh, got some good recommendations on, um, catching foxes. Uh, if you are not on our Facebook page, that's where all the glory goes down. Am I right, Luke? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we got some good stuff coming in. People like to recommend music to me now. Um, are, are you serious? I don't get that. What? 
no, Chad? didn't Alex write something? No, Alex didn't write it. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Fenner recommended something. I can always tell when we're recording because you write stuff on our status. It's like there's just like three things out of nowhere in here. Yeah. Well, we got a new listener, Aaron Aaron Hansen. Aaron. Yeah, and he asked me, do, "Have you ever heard of the Denver band Woven Hand?" No, I'm old. Okay. Not a clue. And then so he sent me uh, a bunch of adoration-worthy lyrics as well. That's cool because he knows. All of our listeners know when I go into adoration, sometimes I take song lyrics with me as prayer. Mostly by me without you. <laughs> and actually Reliant K from that their sophomore album. What was that called? Uh, what, what, not, why their sophomore album? What? Which, which song? Uh, failure to Excommunicate. Isn't that the the Sadie Hawkins dance album? What's that? Ugh, I hate that album. Why? It's a great album. Okay, no, it's not. It's stupid. It's all the B sides from their first album. As long as there's a heaven, there will always be a failure to excommunicate. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't think that's is. I don't think that's on that album. No, it it might be. That is. It's like song number sixteen. I don't remember. How dare I, you? Here's the thing. I have a theory about a Reliant K. Actually, I have two theories. One, every other album is good. Two, when Matt Thiessen gets gets dumped, you know it's going to be a good album uh-huh, next. Uh-huh. That's why mm-hmm, and Forget and Not Slow Down are their best ones. Yeah. I'd love Forget and Not Slow Down. That one is so good. Um... I've listened to a band called The Antlers. Their album, A Familiars, very, very good. I've been listening to a lot of Iggy Azalea. <laughs> and the, her song, Team. What is she singing again? How dare you? How dare you? I, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. She's a white rapper from Australia who so came to Miami and tried to make it. No money, no family. 16 in the middle of Miami. No money, no family. 16 in the middle of Miami. <laughs> Luke, how does that? I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change no, your life. Like... Life. Oh, man. I could sing every one of her songs. Actually, I hate, like, a bunch of them. There's, like, four on each album. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, John sent me a uh, cover of... The Song of Silence by Disturbed. It was so bad. <laughs> it, was, it was exactly how you would think it would be like. Like, um, hello, dog, is my friend. <laughs> I come to talk with you again. I hate new metal. Besides a Chevelle. Just don't like Tool. Don't like any of it. You don't like Tool? Nah, I just never really got into say it. A comet will fall from the sky. I mean, followed I, by meteors. That song's okay, but followed by fault lines that cannot yeah. sit still. Followed by millions of dumbfounded dipshits. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I was, I was just really wanting to get to that line. Good to well, thank you everyone for listening. God bless. Bye. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Hey, we're gonna be on. If you are hearing this before April twenty fourth at twelve o'clock Central Time, we're gonna be we're, we're we're going to be interviewed by the Catholic couple over that, on YouTube. That Sorry. Catholic couple on YouTube. That Catholic couple on YouTube. Oh yeah. Can I not curse on that? No. Fuck. <sighs>
It's just going to be Daniel, though. His <laughs> wife won't be able. She's, I think she's traveling. So uh, uh, that cap, Catholic individual. Uh, yeah, that Catholic this half. guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm anyway. excited about that. That'll be fun. So that's going to be at uh, 12 o'clock Central Time, April 24th. You can see our faces. But back off, ladies. We're married. And tubby. <laughs> dad bod for the win. <laughs> dude, dude, I'm turning into such a dad because, like, I just wear, like, the most comfortable shoes I can now as 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 opposed to, like, what uh, looks good. I'm like, these tennis shoes are fine with these khaki pants. <laughs> My, uh, I, I have a pair of khakis, a pair of gray work pants. And a pair of jeans, and then suit pants. Those are the those are the four pairs of pants that I own, and I rotate between my khaki and my gray slacks, and uh, and uh, I always wear the same brown shoes, whether I'm wearing gray slacks and all dark colors and stuff. I just it's 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 me. You know what? It's me. Yeah, like the like the sweater vest of two thousand three. That will never die. Although I, I don't own one, but that will never die. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can find Luke at the Luke the. You can find me at the. Uh, what am I? At Lay Evangelist. Wow. <laughs> at AMDG Gomer. <laughs> uh, head on over to uh, layevangelist.com. That is the home of Catching Foxes podcast. We are gearing up. I have another podcast called Audio Evangelist that's been around since the beginning of the website. Those were audio files that I uploaded from talks that I had given. And back in the day, the audio quality is not great because Squarespace would only let you upload less than 20 megabyte files. Brutal. 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 So there's a lot of like weird audio artifacts in an hour-long talk. But now you can... I upgraded the, all the stuff, and now I can put up like big files. Anywho. So... Uh, all of our stuff. That's why all of our stuff sounds great, Luke. <laughs> it does. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, it's great. I hate you so much. <laughs> no, but we've got some really cool podcasts. Gomer's doing one without me, and then uh, and then I'm doing, doing one that's called Me Without You. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but we're doing a also top secret one with Arlene Spenceley. Yeah, by top secret, I already published the album art. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, why did you do this? Like, no one's going to know what this is. Yeah, I was gonna see. just throwing it out there, baby. Get, <laughs> drumming up some excitement. For, for all the 12s of people who come and see it, that website. Um, I want to personally thank all 3,000 of our listeners. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. You guys are great. That's really cool. Hopefully we can grow. So if you can share it, that'd be great. I would really love to get paid for doing this. Yeah.